0: 767 votes. 767. That was the margin of the Texas Congressional Primary in Southern Texas, which we previewed a week ago here on Too Close to Call with incumbent Henry Quellar and the progressive challenger Jessica Cisneros. And... The result is a 767-vote difference. Hey, everybody. I'm Dave Katniss. This is Too Close to Call, Substack. We're doing another rant this week. We did one a few weeks ago. went 21 minutes. People enjoyed it. Got good reviews, but mom said, hey, you could probably go five minutes. You could probably fuck, cut five minutes. So we're going to try to cap this at 15 minutes. I'm already at one minute, so the pressure's on. And this is, you know, unfiltered. I don't cut it up. It's not edited. This is me talking into the, the Substack tubes, and it goes up. But I want to talk about Texas and the Texas primary takeaways from this Tuesday. We're also coming to you a little earlier this week to jump on it. It's a Friday. We usually go Saturday mornings, but it's a Friday because the urgency of these Texas results, might as well hop on them. So Texas was the first state to vote in 2022 held their primaries. If you read last week's post, the first test for the left in 2022, you are up to date. But the result in that Southern Texas congressional race between Henry Cuellar and Jessica Cisneros, whoo, close. 767 votes. Cuellar came out on top, but just barely. So our prediction held that he was the favorite, but he didn't get to 50%, which is the rule in Texas, which means... You go to a runoff, and in Texas, it's wild. They have an 11-week campaign. Basically, they don't have the runoff until May 24th. So this is a basically a brand new campaign with both candidates starting from scratch. And if you're Henry Cuellar, who's the incumbent here, long-time incumbent, most moderate, one of the most moderate Democrats in the House, you got to be a little nervous on that margin. I, I, you know, she got much closer than I thought, than a lot of people thought. But now comes the hard part, and I think she's got a shot at doing this, but it's still going to be difficult, because what happens during a runoff in 11 weeks, people lose interest. It's hard to stay engaged if you're just a regular voter, and turnout's going to drop. The primary runoff for this race is May 24th, so you butt up right against Memorial Day weekend, and you're going to lose. 20 to 30 percent of the vote. So this is going to be a base turnout. The moderate base of Quaylar in the more southern counties along the border, they're more culturally conservative or moderate versus you know the progressive fire, the younger folks that came out for her around and in San Antonio in the northern central part of this district. And you know, we set it up as a big litmus test for the left. Do they have power to, to push a candidate through? She would be the newest member of the squad. You would see her next to AOC and Rashida Talib and Ilan Omar if she were to if she were to make it. AOC and Elizabeth Warren went down and campaigned for her. So one of the big questions is can she replicate that progressive energy in the runoff race? Um You know, I talked to John Cuvion, who is a Louisiana pollster, who's a real smart data guy who follows these primaries pretty closely on primary nights. Had a conversation with him today about the race. He thinks Cisneros has a shot, probably has the best shot at winning a runoff of of all the Texan candidates going to a runoff. If she becomes the cause celebre progressives, you know, raises some coin. Although, you know, John even said this, John... Kuvion, You should follow him on Twitter, by the way. He's a Louisiana pollster. I'll 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 find his handle here. But he, you know, he made the case that, you know, she probably doesn't even need that much money. It's now a base organizing exercise. It is reconnecting with the 22,000 folks that came out for her. She got 22,785 votes to Cuellar's 23,552. That's going to drop you're probably going to only have fifteen to twenty thousand coming out, barring something spectacular happening. So it's a base organizing effort, and you know Quaylar, the incumbent, is going to be the favorite again because he's the incumbent. And you know there there was an FBI raid of his house that hung over this campaign that became an issue. He says he did nothing wrong. It's unclear if he's the target. But uh, the FBI is in- investigating business deals between foreign countries, and if they're influencing members of Congress, his. Anytime the FBI is raiding your house, it's not good. He said he did nothing wrong. Well, another shoe drop in that case before May twenty-fourth, before this primary runoff. Who knows? But this is going to be this is going to be a fight, and I don't think she needs a ton of money to compete. Although I. She already announced that she raised about $240,000 since the runoff this week. So she's going to have some coin to play with. But you're not really convincing any new people with this anymore. You're going to your base and you're saying, come back out, don't forget about us um, on May 24th. So you got to keep your eye on the Coelar-Cisneros race. In May, when other states will begin to start voting. May is a big primary month. May 3rd, uh, Ohio goes, uh, and then Kentucky and Pennsylvania and North Carolina. Uh, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Ohio, big, big states for Senate races and other races as well. So we'll be watching all those. But Texas goes first, and that's why we're talking about Texas. Uh, John C- Cuvion hope I'm saying his name right. I asked him to today. John Cuvion. John, if you hear this, tell me if I'm saying it wrong. He's the founder of JMC Analytics and uh, he's a pollster and campaign analyst. His Twitter, you should follow him, at win with JMC, at win with JMC. He's great on primary nights. And he, his conversation informed a lot of what I'm going to talk about. So I wanted to credit him properly. Um, so beyond that Texas 28 congressional race, uh, the other primary I was watching was the Texas Attorney General Republican primary. We had Ken Paxton, another guy who's got corruption hanging over over him. Um, uh, you know, he's got he was he's been indicted. He's been indicted. Um, but you know, he was challenged by George P. Bush, son of Jeb. And there were two other candidates in the race, Louis Gomart, he's kind of this wild congressman, and then uh, Eva Guzman, a Supreme Court um, judge. And they basically split the vote. Nobody got to 50 in that race either, so this one's going to the runoff, the Texas attorney general race. And this is just interesting because you got a Bush trying to keep the legacy going in Texas, and Paxton is the incumbent, and Trump has endorsed Paxton. And now it's Paxton and Bush in the finals, also on May 24th. And you can read more about this on the post that I wrote at the beginning of the year, the five most consequential primaries. Paxton isn't out of the woods yet, but he has a better shot than I think, um, um, than Bush. Because Bush has basically got to cobble together the rest of that coalition, the Gomert part of the Gomert folks and the Guzman folks, he's got to get most of those people on board and over to overtake Pax. And although Pax only hit 43% of the vote and that as an incumbent, that's never great. So that's the other runoff key runoff to watch going into May. Um, <laughs> you know, one thing interesting about these primaries and watching them come in as I was Tuesday night, most people watching the state of the union, but this, this was what I was watching Tuesday night. Just never don't judge the early results. These results don't come in in any specific order. The first results of the Quelar Cisneros race had Quelar up seventy-two to twenty percent with only twenty percent reporting. And even Dave Wasserman, who's the expert of calling these races, he's like, "It looks grim for Quelar." Well, by the end of the night, Quelar was ahead because they hadn't count most of the votes. So just as you're watching, I mean, we, we should have learned this from 2020, right? When Trump built all those big leads and he was up by 20 points in Pennsylvania. And he's saying, see, I won. No, they haven't counted all the votes. We haven't even counted half the votes. Like, relax. Even political reporters, even smart people get wrapped up in this. Whoa, you're down by a lot. Well, you haven't even counted any of my parts of the counties. You know, it's like, relax. So just remember that as we go forward. Um, Some top lines here, not good news for Democrats, which I think... We know by now, just to take away from Texas, since this is the first big bulk of people that are voting, um, you know, turnout was up for Republicans. 1.9 million Republicans turned out in Texas, or 1.9 million Texans pulled Republican ballots, I should say more accurately, compared to about a little over a million Democrats. So That's about a 900,000 person advantage of who's just coming out to participate. Compare that to 2018, the last midterm. It was 1.5 million Republicans to about a million, a little over a million Democrats. So Democrats held their turnout, but you saw a huge boost of, of Republican turnout. And that is ominous. That's just a data point to keep in mind for the fall. It seems like there's more energy, at least in Texas, these first results on the Republican side And that leads me to the governor's race, which is the race that will will get the most attention, but I'm spending the least amount of time on because I am not convinced it's competitive. The Texas governor's race where you've got Greg Abbott, the incumbent Republican who is moving pretty far to the right or has to to shore up his primary. And he advanced without a runoff versus Beto O'Rourke. I think you remember him, the former presidential candidate. That didn't work out. But he did run against Ted Cruz in 2018. Came within three points. That pumped people up. And Beto's going for it again. It doesn't look good for Beto this year in Texas. It's just going to be tough to win statewide. Remember, 2018 was a good year for Democrats. They were repelling against Trump. People were pissed off. Democrats won Congress back. They won governorships. Beto still came came up short within 3 points of cruise but but short so now the polling in Texas in that governor's race the last two public polls has shown Greg Abbott up by 7 points now we've got a long way to go 8 months 9 months whatever but they doesn't decided underdog he needs a game changer i think something drastic to happen either to Abbott politically or the national narrative to change. And there's just no indication that's going to happen. So I don't think the Texas governor's race is going to be competitive. You can argue me, with me if you want, but that's the race I'm I'm spending the least amount of, amount of time on. But watch the Texas AG race. Paxton versus George P. Bush, Jeb's son. I think it's going to get nasty. Will Trump get involved because he has endorsed Paxton? Will he go after the Bushes one more time to stick the knife in and and, and rid Texas of the Bush dynasty. That's an interesting, interesting race. And then just to recap, Texas 28, Quelar versus Cisneros, which I think is the marquee race, just given how, how tight it is. And I think it's going to be tight again. This will be a close race. I think both bases will come back out. It's just going to be about who's more motivated. Do you want to keep your moderate congressman, Henry Quelar? who was sort of a Joe Manchin, you know, just to nationalize it, he's sort of a Joe Manchin Democrat, very moderate, more culturally conservative, he's gotten donations from the Chamber of Commerce, he'll work with Republicans, um, versus Cisneros, who's much more progressive, even on abortion, um, on Medicare for all, she'd be a squad member. The The only other wrinkle here is if Cisneros, Cisneros pulls this out, and it's a big win for progressives in May, on May 24th, Republicans are going to heavily target that seat because they're going to say she's out of touch with the with the border issues, with crime, and Republicans could make that seat competitive because you may have voters say, she's young, she's too liberal, she's not ready. Quaylor, we know, he's a known entity, we'll stick with him, even though we might be more conservative, we might be Republican. But they might flip their votes on Cisneros. Some progressives aren't going to like that, but I think the Texas, that that could be another Republican pickup. It'll at least be competitive. If the bottom falls out for Democrats, that race could become very competitive um, with Cisneros as the nominee. But they have 11 weeks to campaign for that. So we will be keeping tabs on that and everything else in Texas. I've got three seconds left for the rant. Bye.